Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. I'm going to read in your hearing uh, one verse, Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, and I'm reading for the New American Standard Bible. If you don't have it, it's on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, and the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Amen. Let me read that one more time because y'all sound sleepy. Amen. I said, when the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, somebody say the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of our God. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject blood work. Blood work. Amen. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Blood work. It was that classical prince of preachers in the 19th century, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who said a bloodless gospel is a lifeless gospel, saying in no uncertain terms that in order for us to really grasp the power of our redemption, then we have to embrace the beauty and the power of the blood. That in order for us to be made right with God, in order for us to be saved from sin, there had to be made then a sacrifice for sin. And that sacrifice that God demanded was not a wheat offering. It was not a grain offering. It was not an offering of vegetables or even an offering of money. But what could buy our pardon was the blood and the blood alone. And I know we live in an hour where people get excited about a whole bunch of other things. I know uh, that we turn the lights down low in worship and we sing contemporary Christian music. But uh, if I could just be real for a moment, I know it might be old fashioned, but I still get excited about the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I know a lot of people don't get excited about that anymore because we shout over cars and clothes and money and over our boo that's coming and over new relationships and new connections. But is there anybody here? who can still get excited about the blood because I know the church has gotten confused about a great many things the church has gotten confused over styles of worship the church gets confused about whether or not women should be allowed to preach and whether or not we should speak in tongues or whether or not it takes all that in worship we get confused about whether or not marriage is between a man or a woman we get confused about whether or not God can still deliver from sin but one thing I'm not confused 
confused about beloved is when I was deep in sin and I was in need of a savior and I was in a hole so deep that I could not pull myself out only one thing was able to save me and it was not my connections it was not my intellect it was not my education but it was the blood of Jesus Christ and somebody in the building today I know uh, you don't want to get excited about it because you don't want your neighbor to look at you funny but when you look back over your life and you think about everything that God has delivered you from you ought to be able to shout because you know that the only reason why you're able to sit in the sanctuary today saved and in your right mind is because the blood of Jesus worked for you and I don't know who I'm preaching to but is there anybody here who can say that's my testimony that I I should have been dead I should have been left out I should have been a run amok I should have lost my mind but the blood was working for me as a matter of fact the reason why you made it to church this morning is not because you didn't do anything you weren't supposed to do last night it's not because you live so good it's not because there weren't any drunk drivers or crazy folk on their way to tailgate at that game but the reason why you made it here into the sanctuary this morning is because the blood is working for you right now is there anybody in the building who can testify that I should have been cut off but I thank God for the blood I I should have been lost but I thank God for the blood and it is the blood of Jesus it is the blood of the lamb that makes us right with God and I know we preach a lot of self-help messages and we preach a lot of prosperity messages and we preach a lot of things that will help us in life but not a lot of things that remind us that the reason we are here is because it wasn't a cute gospel it wasn't a pretty gospel it wasn't a politically correct gospel but it was a bloody gospel that you were dirty and destined for hell and you should have been left alone but God decided to clean you up and when nothing else could clean you the Bible says the blood of Jesus washed you clean that though your sins were like scarlet he made you white as snow grandmama said what can wash God help me away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus and it doesn't matter God help me how high up you think you are it reaches God help me here to the highest mountain and it doesn't matter how deep down in depression you are it flows to the lowest valley the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power and I know some of us in the building don't want to get excited about the blood that's why I'm concerned about our church I'm concerned about the church universal because we live in an hour where the church is focused on so many things but it seems as if we've forgotten about the blood we're so focused on trying to get people to act right before they've been made right in their spirit with God but but that's because we've forgotten about the blood we don't really understand what it means to be saved we do not have a proper soteriological understanding of the Bible we don't understand that behavior modification is not salvation we don't understand that psychology is not salvation we don't understand that shame 
name is not salvation. But when you can't change your behavior, when you can't fix your mind, when you can't shame somebody into acting right, the blood has the power to cleanse us and to protect us from all unrighteousness. God, help me. I know you don't get it, but I got to hurry up and close here. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 12, we are now painted in the Old Testament a picture of the New Testament work of Christ because the Bible tells us that God is getting ready to deliver his people. God is getting ready to bring his children out of the land of Egypt. God is getting ready to deliver them with a mighty hand and up to this point in scripture, God has struck the land of Egypt with nine plagues. God has struck them with plagues that have torn Egypt apart. But in spite of the plagues, Pharaoh still would not let God's people go. And the Bible says that God then tells Moses that there is going to be a tenth plague. And that this tenth plague, God help me, is going to be more gruesome than any plague that they've ever seen. Because the Bible says that God is getting ready to sweep through the land. And when he sweeps through the land, he's going to kill the first born of every Egyptian. Now he's not just talking about every Egyptian person, but the Bible says that God says every firstborn in Egypt is going to die. From the, from the house of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, to the handmaid that works in the field, to the livestock that's in the field. He said every dog that barks, the firstborn of every dog is going to die. He said, but in spite of what I'm getting ready to do to Egypt, I've got a plan to protect my people. God help me. Y'all ain't feeling me here. God says, in spite of what I'm getting ready to do to the people around you, I've already created a plan for your protection. And somebody in here needs to shout that when the world is going crazy, God still has his children on his mind. I want somebody to know that if you are a believer, God says, I'm looking out for you. You might not even be thinking about me, but I'm thinking of ways to save your life. I'm thinking about ways to protect you. I'm thinking about ways to provide for you. And the Bible says that even though God is getting ready to strike Egypt, God says, I've got a plan for the protection of my people. And so here is the plan. The Bible says that God tells them to institute a festival called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's called the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And in the Passover, God help me, the Bible says that God tells them to take a one-year-old lamb, a perfect male lamb without spot and without blemish and to kill the lamb and to take the blood of the lamb and to paint the doorposts of every door. God help me. He tells them to take the blood of that spotless unblemished lamb and to put its blood on the doorway of the house. God help me. And God says that when you take that blood and you put it on the doorway of the house, when I see that blood, God help me, I will pass over you God help me I know you don't get it yet he says look I want you to take a lamb he said I'm getting ready to destroy Egypt now I'm getting ready to strike them and there shall arise a cry a groaning of pain out of Egypt that has been never been heard and that will never be heard again it's about to be bad but to protect you I've I've ordered you now to take the blood and to put it over your house God help me uh, he says and when you put it over your house 
house. I'm going to protect you. And somebody needs to understand that the blood, the same way the blood of that Passover lamb protected the children of Israel from the wrath of God. If you are a believer, the blood of our Passover lamb, Jesus, will protect you from anything that comes to destroy you in your life. God, help me. I know you don't get it. Let me do it this way. The blood then protects us from two things. First of all, the blood protects us from the wrath of God. Somebody say the wrath of God. Yeah, the blood protects us from the wrath of God. God is getting ready now. He's getting ready to pour out his wrath upon Egypt. But when God sees the blood on the houses of his children, God says, I don't see your guilty self, but I see the blood of the lamb. God, help me. And somebody needs to shout over the fact that when God looks at you, if you are in Christ, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, when God sees you, he does not see your guilty he does not see your stain he does not see how tripping and how trifling and how ugly and nasty you are on the inside he doesn't even see what you did last night he doesn't think about your sins and what you were watching on TV and what you said out of your mouth in a messy conversation with somebody you shouldn't have been talking to God doesn't see you but when he passes by he sees the blood and somebody needs to shout about the fact that when God sees you he sees the blood and the blood is what protects you from the wrath of an almighty God. It is the blood that reminds God that even though you deserve to die, God help me, something already died in your place. God help me. Oh God, you don't get it. The Bible says that you are not to stab the lamb and nurse it back to health. It doesn't say that you're supposed to cut the lamb in an unnoticeable place and take some of its blood and then heal the lamb. But the Bible says that the lamb is supposed to die because God said that the wages of sin is death as a matter of fact in Genesis when God told Adam about sin he said in the day you eat of it you shall surely die and so ever since Genesis something had to die for sin God help me you don't get it yet something had to be sacrificed for your sins and the Bible said that he tells them to kill the lamb and to take the blood and to put it on the doorpost of the house which means that when God passes by he knows that there are guilty people in the house that deserve to die y'all ain't helping me here but when he sees the blood it reminds him that something already died in its place who am I preaching to in the building that's glad about the fact that when God passed by you he knew you should have died but somebody already died Lord help me in your place somebody already took your place bought your pardon and paid your price okay the blood protects us from the wrath of God but then it also protects us then from the attack of our enemies because you have to understand now that God did not allow you to be saved just so that he could sacrifice you to your enemies yeah God did not go through the work of saving your soul just so that he could sacrifice you to your enemies do you hear what I'm saying God did not save you just to let you die so if God can spare you from his wrath then surely he's able to protect you from the attack of your enemies God help me I, I wish somebody would get it here but God, God said look if I can protect you from me and I've got all power then I can protect you from your enemies 
who don't really have any power. God help me. And somebody in the building has been tripping about an attack that you're under because the devil is bothering you. He's assaulting you. He's attacking you. And he's making you feel as if you don't have a hope in the world. But God told me to tell you that the blood not only protects you from the wrath of God, but it will protect you from every one of your enemies. So then he tells them, look, the blood is working for you. Yeah, that's what he tells them. He tells them the blood is working for you. He says no matter what you're going through, no matter what's getting ready to happen, Moses, some crazy things are getting ready to happen all around you. But if the blood is on you, if you've been marked by the blood, then you should be able, you will be able rather to withstand what's coming next. And I, I'm tired of preachers preaching a bloodless gospel because we don't understand that self-help can't help you if you ain't under the blood. God help me. Principles of wealth and financial management can't help you if you don't have the blood. The promises of God cannot be applied to your life until the sacrifice to God and his blood has been applied to your heart. You can't apply this book if you have not applied the blood. And we got too many people trying to live and quote scripture and post stuff on Facebook, but they don't know him. They have not been washed in the blood. We got preachers preaching and prophets prophesying, but they have not been washed in the blood. But I'm asking God to wash us in his blood and to give us joy when we think about the fact that we have been saved. Okay, I, I got to go. So the blood is working. How is the blood working on my behalf? Number one, because of the blood, my sins have been covered. Yeah. Because of the blood, my sins have been covered. Look at verse number 13. The blood shall be a sign for you. On the houses where you live. The blood. Somebody say the blood. Shall be a sign for you. On the houses where you live. God tells Israel. That because the blood is on your house. I am no longer relating to you as a sinner. Yeah. I am relating to you like you are the lamb that died in your place. The word Passover is a Hebrew word, Pesach, and it literally means wounded, limp, Lame or victimized. God help me. You don't, you, you don't get it. He, 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 he says this is the Lord's Passover. God help me. Uh, uh, he says the lamb that was innocent. Hear me now. It was a one-year-old lamb. 
not old enough to have done anything wrong. It was a pure, white, unspotted lamb. It didn't have a blemish on it. But God allowed Israel to kill the lamb in its place. God help me. So that when God passed over, he did not relate to Israel like they were sinners. But he related to them like they were the pure white lamb. Because the lamb died, you now are pure in the sight of God. God help me. You don't understand. It. God says he knows that you trifling. He knows that you're nasty. He knows that you got stuff in your life that you don't that you shouldn't have in your life. He knows that you do stupid things that embarrass his name and that make folk wonder whether or not you're really saved. But God says because the lamb died, I do not deal with you as your sins deserve. God help me. God knows that if he watched you on social media, if people looked at you really hard on social media, they wouldn't even know that you were a believer because you post all week long and then go dark on Sunday and then come back talking about how much you hate Monday when you got to go to work but God says I want you to know that I don't deal with you like your sins deserve when I see you I deal with you like you are the lamb that died in your place God says then your sins are covered by the blood of the lamb okay because of the blood, my sins have been covered. But not only that, because of the blood, my life has been spared. Yeah, my, my life has been spared. Uh, death is getting ready to happen all around them. The children of Israel are about to watch some of their masters, people that they've worked for, people that they've served, people that they know personally, some of their neighbors. Dare I say even some of their friends, they are about to get struck by this 10th plague. When the Lord comes through the land of Egypt, he's getting ready to kill every firstborn. But God tells them, I want you to get this, that even though there is death all around them, no death will happen to them because God has them protected God help me and I don't know who I'm preaching to in the building but God wants you to know that even with death all around you if you're under the blood your life will be spared God help me and I don't know if there's anybody here who's real enough uh, I know I know it's early and, and people don't really like to shout in church no more Mike but ah, is there anybody here who can shout about the fact that it should have been me God help me that, that there is death all around me that there is trouble all around me that I should have lost my mind and people that are going through the same thing I'm going through they're, they're losing their mind they're depressed they can't get up out the bed but for some reason on Sunday morning I opened my eyes and I made it in the sanctuary it's because he is protecting my life is there anybody here who's glad about the fact that the blood is sparing your life that you should be dead that you should be lost but the blood is sparing your life listen not only is the blood sparing your life but the text says that everybody who is in the house that is under the blood God help me uh, 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 God help me uh, everybody who's in the house that's under the blood is protected by the blood 
that is on the house. Now this bothered me because deep on the inside, sometimes I struggle with being judgmental. Sometimes I struggle with, 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 with being self-righteous and it bothers me that the man, the father, the provider, the one who has to, I got to raise the lamb, I got to kill the lamb, I got to cook the lamb, and then I got to put the blood on my house. And now everybody that's in the house gets protected by the blood, whether they put the blood on the house or not, just because they're in the house. God help me, you missed it. But God said, that's like I do you in salvation because you didn't have it in yourself to save yourself. I had to step in for you on your behalf and put the sacrifice in place that would save you from your sins. And somebody in the building who's been praying for a loved one needs to know that if your house is covered by the blood, God help me, then everybody in your, I, don't, I guess ain't nobody in here been praying for a loved one, been praying for a relative, been praying for somebody to come to Jesus. God told me to tell you that if the blood is over your house, this is not a promise of household salvation. This is not a promise of blanket salvation for everybody that lives with you. But God said if they're under the blood, they're going to live long enough to get delivered. God help me. Uh, oh God, let me make that plain. You don't get it. I promise I'm in the text. The Bible says that the death angel, God help me, was going to come through Egypt and kill everybody who was not under the blood. Uh, they were going to kill, the death angel was going to kill them. Uh, and even though the death angel comes in chapter 12, uh, deliverance from Egypt uh, does not come until two chapters later. Uh, so they're still enslaved in chapter 12. Uh, they're still hurting in chapter 12. Uh, they're still in bondage in chapter 12. And if God had let the death angel kill them uh, in chapter 12, then they would have died in their bondage. Uh, but God said, I'm not going to save them in chapter 12. I'm just going to let them live long enough to where they can come out two chapters later. Is there anybody here who can say, I got a baby, I got a son, I got a daughter, I got a cousin, I got a brother, I got a mama, I got an auntie, I got a stepdaddy, I got a cousin that I'm waiting to get right with God. God told me to tell you that if you plead the blood, the blood will let them live long enough to get delivered. God help me. They're not going to die in their sin. They're not going to die crazy. They're not going to die jacked up. But God said, let them live until they find Jesus. Let them live until I rescue them. God says, I'm going to let them live long enough to be delivered. And somebody in the building here needs to learn how to shout. Not just because God has spared your life, but he spared the life of somebody that you were praying for. God spared the life of somebody you were hoping for. God spared the life of some husband that wouldn't do right, some wife that was mean to you, some child that was rebellious. God spared, as a matter of fact, some of you who are saved right now were that child. You were that rebellious person. You were that one that wasn't living right, but God let you live long enough to say yes. Uh, so because of the blood, my sins have been covered because of the blood. Oh God, my life has been spared. But then thirdly, because of the blood, my enemy has been defeated. Yeah. My enemy has been defeated. Yeah. Uh, the Bible says God, God makes a special point to let it be known 
that the firstborn of every person in Egypt from the house of Pharaoh who sits on the throne. That's important, right? Uh, because you have to understand that in Egyptian culture, in religion, Pharaoh believed himself to be God. And it is important then to note that God takes the life of Pharaoh's firstborn. To let Pharaoh know that you are not God. But there is one greater than you whose name is Jehovah. God help me. Uh, but, but, but what is even more historically important to note is this. Pharaoh, historically we believe, was the Egyptian king Ramesses II. Okay. Ramesses II had three sons. But the son that succeeded him as Pharaoh was not his oldest son. It was his second born. That's history. That's fact. Right? That the son that succeeded Ramesses as Pharaoh was not the oldest son. It was his second born. But history tells us that the reason why the firstborn did not succeed him is because he died prematurely. God help me. Yeah, he, he died at a young age. Now, here's the thing that blew my mind when I began to do research about Exodus. Pharaoh's oldest son was the commander of Egypt's armies and oversaw all construction in the land. So Pharaoh's oldest son, I know y'all saw the prince of Egypt. It wasn't a baby. Yeah, he, he was an older man that oversaw all construction and labor in Egypt. And he was the commander of Egypt's armies. And God says, I'm going to kill him. God help me. You, 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 you haven't got it yet. He said, I'm going to strike every firstborn. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, meaning that the one who you recognize as your taskmaster, the one who's going to have to chase you, God help me, when you get released, the one who is going to have to bring the armies after you. God said, when I unleash this plague, he's going to die too. God help me. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but is there anybody here who can shout over the fact that because of the blood, God has defeated every one of your enemies? God. God says, I'm not going to allow your enemies to rejoice over you. I'm not going to allow them to celebrate over you. I'm not about to allow them to make a laughing stock and a joke out of you. I'm getting ready to kill them where they stand. And is there anybody here who's glad about the fact that God will defeat your enemies? God, help me. Pharaoh's son died. God, help me. He was defeated. But at the cross of Calvary, when the second Passover lamb shed his blood, that nefarious nemesis called the devil. Uh, Lucifer himself was defeated by the blood of
of Jesus Christ. And you got to understand that just like the blood just like the blood buys your pardon, just like the blood buys your sanctification, the blood also gives you victory over every one of your enemies. God, help me. I wish I was talking to some people who were in a fight for their lives, a fight for their mind, a fight for their marriage, a fight over their money, a fight over your circumstances. You wish that things would be better. God told me to tell you that the verdict over your life because of the blood is victory. God, help me. That you will have victory under the authority of the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay. So because of the blood, I've, I've, I've got to quit. Because of the blood, my sins have been covered. Because of the blood, my life has been spared. Because of the blood, my enemy has been defeated. But then finally, and I'm done, because of the blood, my deliverance is guaranteed. If you could do me a favor, indulge me for just a moment. I, I want to read something from Exodus chapter 11. Exodus chapter 11 verse 1 says, uh, and it's not on the screen, so you've got to listen real carefully. It says, now the Lord said to Moses, one more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and Egypt. And after this, he will let you go. Okay, let me read that again. He says, you're in bondage. You're in slavery. And I've brought these nine plagues upon him and he has not budged. Because I've hardened his heart. He says, but after this plague, he will let you go. Okay, y'all don't get it yet. Let me jump over to chapter 12, verse 11. Because God gives them instructions on how to eat the Passover lamb, right? He tells them how to prepare it, how to cook it, what kind of herbs. God is very specific. He tells them what herbs to cook it with, what kind of bread uh, to eat it with. Uh, but, but moreover, more specifically, he even tells them that if everybody does not eat all of the lamb, don't save any of it, but burn it up. Because you ain't going to have time to eat leftovers because you're getting up out of here. And in verse 11, this is what he says. He says, now you shall eat it in this manner with your loins girded, with your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. God help me. Uh, he says, when you eat this meal, don't take your shoes off. Don't get comfortable. But dress yourself like you're getting ready to go somewhere. Because once you eat this meal, God help me, 
You getting ready to get up out of here. God help me. I, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but God told me to tell you that the blood is a reminder. God help me. That God is getting ready to take you out of the place of bondage. God help me. And move you into the place of freedom. God help me. And I don't know who I'm preaching to in the building, but some of you need to understand that God says, I didn't save you just to leave you in your mess, but I'm going to pick you up out of your mess. God help me. Is there anybody here who can say, I'm saved. I've got the blood on me, but I'm still in some bondage. God help me. I know you don't see the picture that's painted. Look at these people. They have been covered by the blood. The blood is on their house. They've eaten the Lord's Passover, but they're still enslaved. God help me. But God said the blood is a promise that sooner or later, God help me, you're coming out of this mess. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but God told me to tell somebody in the building that the blood is getting ready to bring you out. God help me. Because of the blood, you're getting ready to be delivered. Because of the blood, God is getting ready to elevate your understanding and open up your mind and cause you to see things that you haven't seen before. God said the blood is getting ready to bring you out. Yeah. yeah. He says when you eat it, yeah. eat it with your loins girded. Eat it with your traveling shoes on your feet. Eat it with your staff in your hand. But not only that. Don't eat it like my daughter who liked to play with her food. But he says, eat it in a hurry. God help me. Uh, don't try to be cute with it. Don't, don't try to stop in the middle and wipe your hands off and wipe your mouth. He said, no, eat the lamb in a hurry. Because I'm getting ready to take you somewhere. God help me. And I don't know who I'm preaching to. But somebody needs to know that God says I'm getting ready to lift you up out of this bondage. I'm, I'm getting ready to take you out of what you are in. And the blood is working to make sure God delivers you. This is then why. We celebrate communion because the Bible says that at the Last Supper, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, they were not just observing any ordinary meal, God help me, but they were celebrating God's Passover, God help me. In the gospel, we get to see God's Passover lamb. Eat his own Passover lamb. God help me. We get to see the blood covering of creation. God help me. Celebrate being covered by the blood of a lamb himself. We get to see a picture in the gospel of the celebration that we have whenever we observe the Lord's Supper. And I want you to understand the power of the blood so that you do not become common with this meal. God help me. Because so many times we look at that wafer and we look at that juice as if it's some kind of a snack that we celebrate. But the Bible says that when we take of it, we partake of the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. That it is the flesh of our Passover lamb. God help me. And so many of us take that meal without expectation. God help me. We don't take it like God is getting ready to take us somewhere. But God told me to tell you that when you observe the Lord's Supper, you need to observe it like God is getting ready to do something in your life. You need to observe it with expectation.
He says, I want you to eat it. For this is the Lord's Passover. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Yeah, when, when, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I, I'll never forget, uh, I, I was getting ready to go to Houston, Texas uh, to celebrate uh, my 10-year anniversary with my Lion brothers. And uh, I was in line at the airport, uh, and it was a long line. And uh, because it was a long line, uh, they were sending agents through the line to make sure everyone had their stuff together so that they could go through security and everybody could make it on the plane. And uh, while I was in the airport, I saw a preacher there in the airport. I stopped for a moment to talk to this preacher and I wasn't paying attention. So I lost my spot in line and my plane was getting ready to board. And I was uh, scared that I was going to miss my flight. And the agent came through the line and looked he said, sir, can you show me your boarding pass? I pulled out my phone, showed him my boarding pass. He said, sir, I need you to go over there. I said, no, I don't want to go over there. I'm in line to get on the flight. I said, the line is moving slow. If you take me out of line, he said, sir, I need you to go over there. I said, no, I don't want to go over there because that preacher that I was just talking to uh, was over there in that line. And I just got done talking to him. And I really don't like talking to folk early in the morning. So I didn't want to be behind him in line. And so I'm telling him, I'm saying, man, I don't want to go over there. He said, sir, go over there. And so I, you know, don't want to get arrested in the airport, you know. Uh, <laughs> So I do what the man says. I go over there and I'm irritated. I'm, I'm with the preacher. Thank God there was a couple people in between us so he didn't turn around and talk back to me. I'm able to stand in line in peace, pretend like I'm on the telephone and nobody's bothering me. And uh, I'm watching in the line I was in, Coriana, and in that line, people are taking their jackets off. People are taking their shoes off. They're taking their belts off. They got to remove their jewelry. They got to take off stuff that's in they take out stuff that's in their pockets. But in the line I'm in, the agent yells out, if you're in this line, keep your shoes on. If you're in this line, keep your jacket on. God help me. If you're in this line, God help me. Uh, uh, you don't have to take anything out of your pockets. And so I'm confused now. You understand? Uh, I'm looking over at that line. Uh, and they're having to do all the things to get through security that I normally have to do. But in this line, when I should have been checked, the agent skipped over me. God help me. And so I get through security. God help me. And I turn around and I ask the agent, I said, excuse me, uh, how come I was able to go through this line? God help me. Uh, what was it about me that allowed me to go through this line? God help me. And, and the lady told me that when I was working for somebody else, God help me, that when I was employed by another organization, they, or they upgraded me to TSA PreCheck. And even though I was no longer a part of that organization, whenever I get a boarding pass, there's a stamp on it, God help me, that says, whereas security 
security checks everybody else, this one gets passed over. God help me. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but somebody knows that you should have been checked in life. God help me. You should have been bum rushed by the devil. But God said, because my hand is on you, I've passed over you. God help me. Is there anybody here who can say, I got something better than TS, TSA pre. I got something better than Delta clear. I've got something better than security pass check. But I've got the blood of Jesus that allows the wrath of God to pass over. And that's why you don't have to worry about what's happening to everybody else. I want to talk to every parent that's worried about a child. You need to know that the blood is working for you. I want to talk to every family member that's worried about a loved one. You need to know that the blood is working for you. Is there anybody here who wants to have church for a moment? Do me a favor. Grab your neighbor by the hand and tell them the blood is working. It's working for you. I know you don't feel like it, but the blood is working for you. I know you don't look, it doesn't look like it, but the blood is working for you. You might think that you're up too high and it can't reach you. You might think that you're down too low and it can't reach you. But God told me to tell you that the blood is working for you. Is there anybody here in the building today? I really don't feel like doing all this. I got to get out of here. But grab your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, we're getting ready to have communion. But before you eat that cracker, before you drink from that cup, you better know that it's more than grape juice, that it's more than a cracker, but that is the body and blood of our Passover lamb. And when you were in sin, God sent a sacrifice. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood, the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood, the blood of Jesus. Thank y'all. I'm glad I got some witnesses on this side. Is there anybody who's glad about that when you're low, it reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood, yeah, that gives me strength from day to day. It will never, never, ever, 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 ever lose its power. The blood, the blood of Jesus. Is there anybody here who's glad that the blood still works? I dare you to touch yourself and say it's working for me. The blood is working for me. It's working to wash me from my sin. It's working to give me peace. 
peace within. Is there anybody here who grew up in the sanctified church that remembers a church mother when she didn't know how to pray? She would just say, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. I dare somebody to clarify the blood of Jesus. Look at your house and your family going crazy and plead the blood of Jesus. Look at your life while it's spiraling out of control and say the blood of Jesus. The blood, the blood of Jesus. Oh yes, the blood still works. I know the blood still works. Is there anybody here that knows the blood still works? How do I know the blood still works? Well, the Bible says that they had to take in Exodus chapter 12 a Passover lamb. They had to pick a lamb out of the field. Find a lamb without spot or wrinkle. And they had to take that lamb. Ain't God alright? And they had to kill that lamb. But every year on the same day on the same month they had to kill another lamb every year to make sure that they were right with God. But I'm so glad that 2,000 years ago there was one lamb that died in my place and it wasn't a lamb picked out of the field. It wasn't a lamb from a petting zoo but it was a lamb down from heaven. Is there anybody here that's glad that God sent a lamb to save your soul? Bread of heaven sent down from glory. Many things you were on earth. A holy king, a carpenter, but you are the living word is there anybody in the building today who can say that's my lamb my lamb was Abraham's ram in the bush my lamb was Noah's ark of safety my lamb was Gideon's fleece it was Joshua's battering ram at the walls of Jericho my lamb was David's music my lamb was Solomon's wisdom my lamb was Elijah's chariot of fire my lamb was Ezekiel's wheel in the middle of a wheel my lamb was the lily of the valley the rose of Sharon the bright and morning star my lamb do you know this lamb is there anybody here who knows that lamb is there anybody here who knows that lamb? Well, if you know him, do me a favor. Grab your neighbor's hand and say, neighbor, I know that lamb. His name is wonderful. His name is powerful. His name is Jesus. Yes, God, that's his name, Jesus, 
Jesus, the precious Lamb of God, Jesus, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. Is there anybody here that can thank God for the blood? Because when you didn't have any money, when you didn't have any power, the blood spoke up for you. Let me ask you again, what can wash away my sin? Nothing, 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 nothing but the blood, the blood of Jesus. Is there anybody here? I said, is there anybody here who's glad about it that you can shout because you're saved? You are saved. God saved you by his blood. He brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you can shout because you're saved. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete because I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I am saved by his power divine. I'm saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet. Life now is sweet. Life now is sweet. And my joy, my joy is complete.